Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. It's time for Come and Talk It with your host, Michael Cargill, brought to you by Texas Law Shield. Over the last decade, Michael has championed and supported the rights of law-abiding Texans to own and use firearms. He is the owner of Central Texas Gunworks, a veteran of the United States Army, and has achieved national exposure in such prestigious media outlets such as Forbes Magazine, Fox Business News, CNN Money, AOL, BBC World News, Huffington Post, and the New York Times. Cargill vigorously defends lawful gun ownership in this country without regard to party politics. And now, here's Michael Cargill. Good day, Austin, Texas, the live music capital of the world. Let's praise the Lord and pass the ammunition. All right, so today we're going to talk about the boyfriend loophole because we heard a lot about that uh, this week from uh, the Houston police chief, Art Arstavedo. And um, it, it's, it came from that shooting that they had down there in Houston of the Houston police officer. And I, definitely our thoughts and prayers definitely go out to that family uh, in the Houston Police Department for that. Uh, but I want to talk about this boyfriend loophole and what is that? Is that, you know, a real thing? And I want you to listen to the, I guess, listen to what Cheetah Aracevedo had to say about it. sanctity of lives yet we all know in law enforcement that one of the biggest reasons that the Senate and Mitch McConnell and John Cornyn and Ted Cruz and others are not getting into a room and having a conference committee with the House and getting the Violence Against Women's Act is because the NRA doesn't like the fact that we want to take firearms out of the hands of boyfriends that abuse their girlfriends. And who killed our sergeant? A boyfriend abusing his girlfriend. And the fact that his mom, his father, his wife, his sisters, his friends, and ultimately the community that he laid his down his life for will be putting him to rest before Christmas because of the cowardice of the political people that we have in office. You're not a Republican, you're not a Democrat, you're not a conservative. You're not a liberal, you're not a progressive, you are an American, and American blood is being shed every day in this community, throughout this nation. And do something about it or retire. All right, so that's Chief Aracevedo out of Houston, Texas. Um, used to be the police chief here in Austin, Texas. And he's talking about the boyfriend loophole. And what is the boyfriend loophole? Does anyone know? You know what it is? Yeah, he's getting pretty emotional there. He's getting real like, emotional. Uh-huh. He always like does. Like he can't just control himself. No, no. And, and you know, I know I hate when people do that, especially around funerals and things like that, when it comes to bringing in politics um, and, and using that as a, you know, stepping stone. I think that's very sad. But anyway, but I do want to break this down, talk about the boyfriend loopholes. So the Houston police chief wants lawmakers to prevent abusive dating partners from buying guns. And basically, uh, the way it happens right now, uh, if you are living with someone, um, then you it, and you uh, you guys get into a fight, someone gets injured, that can be considered domestic violence. Uh, if you are married to someone and you you know hit them or whatever, that's considered domestic violence. Well, if you're a boyfriend and you're not living with that other person or girlfriend and you're not living with that other person then it's not considered domestic violence. It's just considered assault. And so what he's talking about is getting rid of that little part there that he's calling a loophole uh, with a boyfriend. Someone's just dating. So what do you think about that? 
That's an interesting take on it. <laughs> I mean, expanding gun control, right? Yeah, and, and I mean, let's let's go back to man. You're in high school, you know, and you're dating, and all of a sudden something happens. Your your other half says you did something. Maybe you did, maybe you didn't, or whatever, and you get convicted of it. You know, that's domestic violence, and that's going to affect you for the rest of your life. And so, assault is verbal threatening of harm, and battery is when you actually put your hands on somebody, right? Yeah, that's about right. That's so right. even if you threaten harm to someone, and that's assault, then that would disqualify you from owning a firearm under what he is trying to implement? So if it's domestic violence, then it keeps you from walking into a gun store and purchasing a gun. Um, if it's not domestic violence, just simple assault, you know, then you'll still be able to go into a gun store and buy a gun. What do you think about that? Um, well, there are other tools that we can use. You know, you you can get a, um, uh, what do you call it? When you want someone to stay so many feet away from restraining you. Restraining order. A restraining order, you know, if it gets to that point. So there's some things that have to, you know, has to happen. And we got to get you exactly what happened with this particular story here. You know, what, what did this guy actually do? And did someone, you know, was he given a restraining order? You know, did he violate that? You know, I want to get into that as well. So the boyfriend loophole refers to what some describe as a gap in a federal gun law that allows some people convicted of domestic violence charges to own and purchase firearms. So the federal law bans people from owning a firearm if the victim was a spouse, a person that lived with a with, with or a person with whom they share a child. So that could be, you know, a boyfriend, you know, and, you know, you have your uh you living with your baby mama, uh, so to speak, you know, or you have a baby mama, then you're pulled into that domestic violence, you know, area there. The loophole refers to the, the fact that victims of more casual relationships are not protected. So unlike federal law, which prevents a person with even a misdemeanor domestic violence conviction from ever owning a gun. So Texas restores people's rights to own a firearm uh, after five years after they complete the terms of their sentence, basically off after off of paper. So if you're convicted of domestic violence, after five years, you can only gun. But, um, you know, in this passed back in 1994, the law provides funding for the investigation and prosecution of violent crimes against women, as well as services like transitional housing for domestic violence and sexual assault survivors. The law expired in February and reauthorization is stalled because lawmakers are in disagreement over new provisions that would close the so-called boyfriend loophole expand existing protections to include transgender victims and allow U.S. citizens to be tried in tribal courts for domestic violence and dating violence crimes committed by a non-dating perpetrator on native lands. So they're kind of arguing about that a little bit. And so we come back from the break. I do want to get into, you know, some of the details of, you know, what this guy actually did. You know, what's the, the, the facts of this particular case? You know, I want to know that. You know, what did he do? And then what was done to, and if he did do something, what was done to prevent him from doing something else? You know, uh, did she file charges against him? Were there, you know, was he uh, under some type of indictment or something like that? You know, how do we get to this point? Because usually it just doesn't blow up like that. You know, something happened and we had to get to this point. Uh, so somewhere, somewhere down the line, someone had to have dropped the ball. So I want to get into that. Also, we want to talk about, man, we got so much more we're going to talk about today. You know, what are we going to talk about today? Talk so, about everything. We're going to talk Florida's about Florida's red flag. Florida. That's right. Someone is a victim of the red flag law. The first victim of the red flag law. We're going to talk about that. That's out of Florida. So we'll get into all that. We come back from the break. This is Michael Cargill and you are listening to Come and Talk It. Folks, this is Doug Man Jones. <laughs> and I get my gun news. From Michael Cargill at Come and Talk It. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. 
You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Talk 1370, the right choice. Welcome back to Come and Talk It. And now here's Michael Cargill. That's right. We're back and we're talking about this uh, boyfriend loophole. Uh, and it, you know, generated quite a bit this this week. You know, this all started from uh, Chief Otto Acevedo out of Houston, Texas. And by the way, the, the mayor there, uh, Sylvester Turner, actually won his reelection. So, man, that says a lot about Houston there <laughs> and, and what they really want to change, what's happened in the last four years. Uh, but, you know, the chief, you know, had a lot to say about, you know, our elected officials here in Texas on the state level and also the federal level, our, our U.S. senators, both of them, he had something to say. And, and here's what he had to say earlier this week. And we'll come back to that. Uh, but it, it, you know, it kind of, you know, spurred what we call the blue alert. And I never heard the blue alert. You hear about that? I saw it on my phone. You saw it on your phone? <laughs> it came up as like a, the same way an Amber Alert does. You know, it just interrupts whatever you're doing. But it's the first it says, time I ever heard of a blue alert, though. Uh-huh, and I said, blue alert issue in uh, Harris County, I think. And then I'm like, what is this? I've never seen this. So I clicked right. on the link, and nothing was there. Nothing came up. Yeah, they, they didn't execute it uh, no, well at all. all. No, yeah, they didn't do a good job at all, because I couldn't figure out what was going on either. Um, and our call-in number is 512-543-2284. That's 512-543-2284. Two two eight four. Come and talk. Definitely give me a call and and tell me what your think your thoughts are as far as the boyfriend loophole. That's five one two five four three two two eight four. Five one two five four three two two eight four. Come and talk it. Actually, you know what? Let's try this instead. Let's try five one two six four three five four eight three. Let's do that. <laughs> let's, that's right. Let's do because we're actually on a different hour and so. Uh, we're on a different number right now. So 512-643-5483. I apologize for that. 512-643-5483. Give me a call on that number and tell me what, you know, what do you think about this boyfriend loophole? Uh, this, uh, this affects everyone. So what are your thoughts about that? Do you think this is something that uh, we should take a look at, you know, in Texas or on the federal level? The boyfriend loophole. So this blue alert. Uh, basically, a, a law enforcement, you know, searching for a suspect accused of killing a Nassau Bay police sergeant and which he was captured this week. And and man, as soon as they, you know, when I figured out what the blue alert was, I actually, you know, the first thing I said, man, he's at his mother's house. I know he was in. He's, he, <laughs> that's the first, I said he's underneath his, underneath the bed at his mother's house. I said that, uh, you know, and so the blue alert was launched in Texas back in 2008. And when then Governor Rick Perry signed an executive order. And it was created to let residents across the state know when an offender who killed or seriously injured a federal, state, or local law enforcement officer in the line of duty is on the run. And so that means, man, you're a done. <laughs> Everyone's looking for you when you do that. Mm-hmm. And so according to DPS, uh, th- there are four cr- criteria uh, that have to be met in order for this blue alert to go out. One is a law enforcement officer must have been killed or seriously injured by an, in- an offender. Uh, the investigating law enforcement agency must determine that the offender possesses a serious risk or threat to the public and other law enforcement personnel. A detailed description of the offender's vehicle, vehicle tag or partial tag must be available for broadcast to the public. And the investigating law enforcement agency of jurisdiction must recommend activation of the blue alert to the Texas Department of Public Safety, which is DPS. Now, Texas is one of the 34 states that currently has the system in place. And so when this went out on Wednesday, uh, it, it, the alert really, uh, it, it did locate this 21-year-old Tavares Henderson, who is accused of killing a Nassau Bay police sergeant, uh, Kayla Sullivan, 43, on Tuesday night. And so just like, you know, man, we called it. He was at, you know, man, he's got to be at his mother's house because there's no way, you know, everyone's looking for him. Yeah, she just got arrested for basically lying to the police. So they arrested his mother as well. Him. Yep. Wow. All right. And then now what about um, what are the details of this? You know, what this guy, he had to have done something else before the fact that the law enforcement was looking for him in the first place. Yeah, he's done a few things before, actually. So 
in both Montgomery and Galveston counties. He was arrested for theft and accused of stealing tools from Home Depot. Okay. And then in Montgomery County, when an officer tried to arrest him, he allegedly fled from the officer in his vehicle. He was also arrested in February in Harris County, another allegation of domestic violence. Uh, he was visiting his son while the child's mother was running errands. Uh, he allegedly ran outside and told her, open the door or I'll shoot you, and pointed a gun at her. Wow. That's crazy. And once again, our call-in number is 512-643-5483. That's 512-643-5483. Definitely give me a call and tell me what you think about this. Um, Jennifer says he blamed them for not passing the bill. Um, so basically, uh, Chief Otto Acevedo is blaming um, I guess our you know, a U.S. Senator, both Cornyn and Cruz, for not passing a bill and doing something. Um, and then also, you guys got a lot to say. <laughs> All right, so, but I do want to hear that interview uh, by Cheetah Acevedo, and take a listen to this. They need to get in a room. I don't want to hear about how much they support law enforcement. I don't want to hear how much, how, how much they care about uh, lives and the sanctity of lives, yet... We all know in law enforcement that one of the biggest reasons that the Senate and Mitch McConnell and John Cornyn and Ted Cruz and others are not getting into a room and having a conference committee with the House and getting the Violence Against Women's Act is because the NRA doesn't like the fact that we want to take firearms out of the hands of boyfriends that abuse their girlfriends. And who killed our sergeant? a boyfriend abusing his girlfriend and the fact that his mom his father his wife his sisters his friends and ultimately the community that he laid his down his life for will be putting him to rest before Christmas because of the cowardice of the political people that we have in office you're not a Republican you're not a Democrat you're not a conservative you're not a liberal you're not a progressive you are an American American blood is being shed every day in this community, throughout this nation. And do something about it or retire. Definitely give me a call and let me know, you know, what you would like, you know, to say to Cheetah Acevedo. What would you like uh, for him to know about what he's saying about this boyfriend loophole and about the whole situation? Our call is number, call in number is 512-643-5483. That's 512-643-5483. Definitely give me a call and let's talk about this boyfriend loophole. Let's, uh, let's talk about uh, Florida. Man, first person to be convicted under the Florida's red flag firearms law faces up to five years in prison. So basically, a Deerfield Beach man who was the first in Florida to be charged with, you know, defying the state's red flag law has been found guilty and is now facing a maximum prison term of five years. Man, five so, years. So um, he's actually... Uh, just to clarify, he's not the first person to have his guns taken. He is the first person to, to be, be found guilty over his refusal to voluntarily surrender them. Mm. So this is not the first case of, you know, the police coming in using the red flag laws to take people's guns from them. This is in my hometown, Broward County, Fort Lauderdale, Florida. So Broward Circuit Judge uh, Ernest Collar ordered a pre-sentencing investigation for Jerron Smith 33, who was accused in March 2018 of failing to allow law enforcement officials to confiscate his weapons under the the new state law, which was designed to take firearms away from those deemed most likely to use them to commit crimes. So the guy is uh, facing trial on an attempted murder charge. Really? Uh Uh-huh. He had an AR-15 and a 22 rifle. And in March 2018, he was charged with firing six shots at a vehicle being driven by his best friend. Oh, wow. Yeah, who needs enemies when you got a friend like that? <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. That is, that's, that's something else. All right, so, man, boyfriend. Uh, man, I'm, just, I'm still stuck on the boyfriend loophole, though. But, yeah, this guy out of Florida, man. Tell, tell me once again, what did he do? One more the, time? The Florida guy? Yeah, the Florida guy. Um, well, he took out his guns and he shot his best friend's truck and they're charging him with attempted murder. And then, um, they wanted him to voluntarily surrender his weapons voluntarily. Right. Uh So he said no. (laughs) Uh Uh-huh. And then, yeah. So he is, uh, facing up to five years now. Yeah. So is that bad? Is that good? What do you think? 
I mean, you can't shoot up your best <laughs> friend's truck. <laughs> there are going to be consequences to that, right? Right. You try and kill him because that's what they're alleging that he did. That he tried to kill this guy. All right. All right. We'll see. We'll follow this story as it, it as it progresses also. And then also, when we come back from the break, I want to talk about the Jersey City shooting. And six people were killed, including a, a police officer. Uh, basically... It was in Jersey City, New Jersey, and this was on Tuesday in the series of gunfight, uh, gunfights that brought destruction to a kosher market and made a residential area feel like a war zone. And so the dead included three people in the market as well as two suspected uh, shooters. An official said that the slain police officer, Detective Joseph Seals, was 40, was a longtime veteran with the Jersey City Police Department, according to the chief. And officials believe the shooting began when the detective approached one of the gunmen. So we come back from the break. We're going to talk about that Jersey shooting. We're going to watch some videos of the shooting and how it all played out. And and we're going to talk about the perpetrators in this. And, you know, because they're saying a whole bunch about their background and stuff like that. So I'm curious of, you know, what their background is and, and to get it a little more in detail in that, into that. This is Michael Cargill, and you are listening to Come and Talk It. Yo, what's going on, guys? It's Jack Jones here, and I get my gun news from Michael Cargill yeah. on Come and Talk It. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Here we are. Talk 13-7, the right choice. Welcome back to Come and Talk It. And now, here's Michael Cargill. All right, so we're back, and we're talking about his boyfriend, Luco, talking about the shooting in New Jersey. And also, we're talking about uh, Florida and the fact that this guy is actually the, one of the victims of the, man, the uh, red flag law in Florida. My home city, also, Broward County, Fort Lauderdale. Broward County. Broward County. That's right. Don't do bad things in Broward County, I'm telling you. Home of Florida man. That's right. <laughs> the Florida man. The Florida man. All right, so we're talking about that boyfriend loophole, and um, man, we're joined by Gary, Gary Faust, Gary here, and so uh, we're talking about the boyfriend loophole, Gary, and so the boyfriend loophole refers to someone uh, who describes as a, it's basically a gap in the federal gun law, so they're saying, that allows some people convicted of domestic violence charges to own and purchase a firearm. So basically what happens is, if you're a boyfriend, and you're not living with that, you know, the girl, the girlfriend, then, and you slap her around, you can't be charged with domestic violence. It's just assault. But if you live with her... Well, it's battery, right? If yeah, you slap or, her around. Or batteries. Assault and battery. If you live with her, um, or you have a child with her, you know, then you could be charged with domestic violence. Or if you're married. And then that results in... And you can't have your gun rights. Anymore. You can't have any gun rights. Right. Once you're, if you, if you're if convicted you, of domestic violence. So what if you commit something like simple assault? You can still have a gun? Right. So how come... They, but, so how does that make any sense? Well, assault is verbal. Battery is physical. So you're, I mean, your boyfriend. So do you plan on slapping your other half over it a little bit? That's a loaded question. Very loaded. Well, if you have a child with them, then that puts you back in the category of uh, domestic abuser, right? Yeah, so you're back in that category. So even if you don't live together, if you, hatch, if you share that child, then boom. I think that if, if there's a domestic situation, there's so many possibilities about how those play out, and there's uh -huh. people that get in trouble in a domestic situation where there's not even violence involved, that to say someone shouldn't own a gun because they've you know, been convicted of a domestic 
is already an overreach right there. I think that's ridiculous. Yeah, and from everything personally. I've heard, everyone who has had some kind of encounter like this, uh, what I've heard is anytime the cops are called to any situation that's like a domestic abuse situation, then somebody is going to go to jail in most cases, even if, you know, both people say, no, no, no. If they've called the cops, then from the instances that I've heard, somebody usually goes to jail. I think more often than not, for sure. Um, almost no matter what, somebody's going to have to leave the house. Mm -hmm. They're not, they're not going to let the police aren't going to let the, you know, both parties stay. I don't know. What do you think, Mike? I think that, you know, it's, it's, to me, it's, it's kind of harsh because you're saying this is permanent. This is forever. You know, when it comes to getting convicted of a felony, comes to get convicted of domestic violence, we're saying that no matter how old you are, no matter how long ago it happened, you know, you're never going to ever be forgiven for that crime. And yeah, so you can no longer own a gun. You can't vote. Uh, it's going to be hard to get a job. I mean, you can, you can, you, after five years, you're off a of paper. You can, you know, have a gun at home for personal protection, but then, you know, you still can't buy it from a gun store. So you're still going to have that hanging over your head. That doesn't make any sense. Right. Well, yeah, also So what's the that, purpose of what's the purpose of sending people to jail and convicting them if you're never going to give them they they're never ever going to be able to get all of their rights back. But yeah, ahead. and uh, you know, there is that 5-year period afterwards after you've served your sentence, you can own a gun you can own a gun at home in Texas, right? Right. But if the federal government comes in for some reason to your house, can you get in trouble for owning that gun? Oh, absolutely. Uh, yeah, because you're still violating the federal law. So they still could, yeah. you know, I, I've had cases where, you know, someone did something, they were convicted of a felony, they can only gun at home. It was after five years, they only gun at home for personal protection. But then they made the mistake of going into the gun store to purchase a gun and popped up on the background check, denied. And so then the, uh, the ATF played them a little visit. And then somehow in that conversation, they had to turn all their guns in. Yeah, so still it's federally illegal. Correct. So you can be punished. That sounds like that. the same thing that the feds were doing out in California with marijuana. With the we, with the dispensaries. Yes, exactly. How mm -hmm. can they get away with that? Because because um, you let it's legal them, on a state level. Because you allow them to get away with it. You don't. We don't vote. You know, and we don't push our elected officials to do the right thing. When when these government agencies like the DEA and the ATF do this, I think that they need to be investigated and and. If a, some sort of a, like a, a court was to find them guilty of violating some sort of constitutional law, like with the dispensaries or violating like, I don't know, state rights or something, then they should go to jail. All right. And once again, our call-in number is 512-643-5483. That's 512-643-5483. I want to know what your thoughts are, you know, on this boyfriend loophole. Do you think it's a great thing? Do you think it's something that we need to take a look at? You know, you let me know. I'm just, I'm curious at what your thoughts are. I need, I'm just, I want to know. Inquiring minds want to know. Let's go to Jersey City. So Jersey City, the shooting, you know, man, you hear about this? Jersey? This is your neck of the woods, isn't it? Ohio, New Jersey. It's closer, yeah. <laughs> I'm blending it all together. <laughs> Ohio, New Jersey. <laughs> Skip over a couple states, right? Uh, so over in New Jersey, yeah, six people, including one police officer, were, were killed in Jersey City. And the videos that are coming out of this, man, they said this was like something out of a movie. It was just crazy. You know, shots being fired. People are running. It was just mayhem. Um, and now they're saying this could have been like um, more of a um, hate crime. And so we're going to get into that. I want to know why you think this is why they think this is a hate crime. But take a look at some of these videos. Wow. All right, so and, and for those, the... if you're disturbed, you know, you if certain things disturb you, you know, you're you're easily offended. So you're supposed not. to say that first. Look away. <laughs> We're looking at this white van on the right hand side of the screen. There, guy jumps out of the white van, and he well, someone jumps out of the white van and starts shooting. Pow, pow, pow. Looks like a long gun, and then someone else drop, jumps out of the passenger side of the van. Uh, looks like a gun in their hand, and everyone just starts running. One guy is just sitting there. There's a guy that's just sitting right on there, and he—he he, he, it's like business as usual. He doesn't move. He doesn't do anything. He's just like, hey, you know, this always happens. Someone's always getting popped around here, so he's just not even budging. You see someone come out of this place, you know, running, 
um, trying to you know run for cover and just craziness going on inside. And then we have another video uh, that was shot. Uh, this video was was shot by someone else from a different angle. You know, definitely take a look at this. And so this, this shooting, how long did this shooting last? That's quite a while, right? Mm, I am not sure okay. how long. And so give me some info, give me some information about it. So um, a police detective was going to meet an informant uh, related to an investigation that he was conducting, and he encountered two people at a cemetery. And uh, he approached these suspects because they were in a U-Haul van that was related to a murder the previous weekend in a nearby city. And that police officer was shot and killed. Uh, his body was discovered and reported. And then the suspects fled in the stolen van and drove maybe a mile to the grocery store and then started opening fire when they got out. Uh, they shot an owner dead, a worker, and a customer. A couple customers escaped, and there was a shootout with the police for over an hour until they were shot and killed when this Bearcat uh, ran through the storefront. That's kind of like an MRAP, like a SWAT vehicle, and that ended it. And uh, their van that they stole was, uh, they found a live pipe bomb in it as well. And also, officers were also investigating a stolen U-Haul vehicle, too. Uh, that's the one that uh, those guys had. Oh, so that was the vehicle they were in? There was a U-Haul? I believe so, yeah, U-Haul okay. van. Okay. And so and three bystanders were killed. At, and, and they said they, they believe they just chose this place randomly. Initially, they said it was random. Yeah. And initially, they didn't think it was a hate crime or anything like that. But then later on, uh, they changed their mind decided, and they said that, hey, you know, it was targeted. Yeah, the mayor tweeted that uh, it was targeted as anti-Semitic hate crime. Wow. Anti-Semitic? Uh-huh. I guess it was Jewish market. Okay. So everybody that was killed was Jewish? Well, the market was the Jewish That market. area. And Probably so, that area and the market and everything. Uh-huh. Uh, but uh, why, I wonder why, these, why they say this. these two were from some kind of religious group or something. Because they only they only been dating each other for two years. They've been together just two years. And so I'm just I'm curious. Well, I guess we'll find out more details. They were details. together? They, were, they had been together. Yeah, they were dating. Boyfriend and girlfriend. Oh, they went on a spree together, huh? Yeah. Like Bunny and Clyde. Ooh. Oh. Yeah. One of those situations. All right. So, man, that's pretty crazy. I mean, could you imagine you're out shopping and someone starts shooting like that? And New Jersey has some very strict gun laws, too. Mm-hmm. Very strict laws. Yeah, these always happen in, in areas that have very strict gun laws. A gun-free <laughs> state, huh? Now, what this thing uh, in, 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 in Canada... With uh, Mr. Trudeau, uh, he's uh, deciding to spend double uh, on disarming hunters than he'll spend on fighting gangs. So basically, the Trudeau government is looking to spend double buying back guns from legal gun owners than they have promised to spend fighting guns and, and gangs and stuff like that. And so, oh, man, that's, it's, it, it's, it's crazy. You know, I think it's a waste of time. You're focusing on the good guy and you're not trying to disarm, you know, the bad guys at all. They're buying back hunting rifles? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Isn't that crazy? That doesn't... That doesn't, doesn't make any sense, does it? No. No, no no sense whatsoever. Yeah, it's just... Man, I, I, the government, I, I, I swear, Canada, they just don't know what to do, so they're just trying to figure it out and just do whatever, I guess. Living in bizarro world. Yeah, it's just crazy. Out of Canada. Just insane. Well, this is coming from Trudeau. That guy's inept. Yeah. Seriously. He's Why do you say that? What do you mean? He's the guy is like a total clown. He's going around talking about. <laughs> oh, what know, did he say? He said, uh, "Oh, we're not going to say mankind. We'll say people kind." People kind. Yeah, there's a word for that. It's called humankind. Guy's a <laughs> moron. He he also was championing like all these, you know, uh, you know, uh, like the the kind of the social justice causes, and then turns out the whole time he's been 
wearing blackface at parties and dressing up as Native American <laughs> and blah blah blah, all these different things. He's just a, do as I, I say, not as I do. His dad was in politics too. He he was, you know, he's like a George Bush type in my eyes. That's how I kind of view him. Is that good? Is that bad? It's not good. George Bush was not a bad guy. I like George Bush. We don't need dynasties, though. All right, we come back from the break. We'll we'll talk about that. This is Michael Cargill, and you are listening to Come and Talk It. Peace. This is Mosh Touré. You're listening to Come and Talk It Radio with Michael Cargill. Baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up. And your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app. Talk 1370, the right choice. Welcome back to Come and Talk It. And now here's Michael Cargill. That's right. We're talking about this boyfriend loophole and that was brought up by Chief Art Acevedo out of Houston there. And we also talk about New Jersey. And man, this, this craziness and... and, and they're saying this is a hate crime, what happened in New Jersey, uh, which is something that you, we haven't seen before from, uh, I haven't seen before, you know, at least during my lifetime. I haven't seen them talk about this on the news before. And they're called Black, what are they called? The Black Hebrew Israelites. Israelites. I've never heard yeah. that organization before, ever in my life. Well, they were involved with the Covington. Oh, were they? The whole Yeah. Deal. Okay, so we missed that point. Okay, I missed The that. Covington Catholic kid that, got, that was wearing the MAGA hat who got into a sort of a staring contest with the Native American guy who was a, who, maybe a veteran or something. Um, the black Hebrew Israelites were the group of people that ignited the entire confronta- confrontation mm-hmm. earlier this year at the Lincoln Memorial. They are the closest thing I could compare them to is they're like the black Ku Klux Klan. Oh, wow. Yeah, they essentially, um, and I wasn't aware of who they were until I was actually downtown Austin uh, on the 4th of July. I was with my friend Devante, and we were driving through uh, like near 6th Street. And the couple of them were, <clears throat> like, you know, like on a soapbox, literally, with a megaphone preaching about how the white man needs to be eradicated or something. But they gave my friend Tay um, a, like, a sheet of paper. And they said, oh, you, you're allowed to have this because you're like us. And uh, it basically says, you know, like, the white man is the devil. And, that, and like, there's the tw- seven or 12 tribes of Israel or something and how... It's like they correlate it to different groups of people, like af- different parts of Africa, different parts of Central and South America, and I don't. It's just they're they're insane. They they're religious extremists. They're they're obviously racist as well. But I'm not surprised at all that they might be associated with this hate crime. Yeah, if and it with, is a hate crime with Covington, everybody saw that snippet part of the confrontation where it's the Covington kid and the Native American guy, and all the media outlets painted it as this kid trying to bully this guy when they didn't show this whole hour-and-a-half-long video where they, um, you know, those guys that you're talking about, the black Hebrew Israelites, instigated it and how it all went (coughs) down there. But, of course, you know, they're not going to show that because it doesn't fit that narrative so check this out this is from abc7 new york and this is a quote from i I don't know how to say this i think it's oren segal director of the anti-defamation league's center on extremism now i know the uh recently the adl has come under kind of scrutiny for a number of things like they said the okay sign was a is now a symbol of white supremacy Mm -hmm. which is total nonsense and pepe the frog right there's a bunch of weird stuff that they think is hate uh, hate crimes but uh i saw uh, judge you use that sign the other day well she's (laughs) (laughs) well you never know i guess you never know i mean uh, there's you know (laughs) okay i'm not gonna go down that road but this is what this guy says he says of the black hebrew israelites they view white people as agents of satan and they believe jews are liars and false worshipers of god 
They view blacks as the true Israelites and not the imposter Jews. That's what the ADL's director, um, director of uh, the ADL Center of Ext- of, on Extremism says about them. And from what I understand about them, I would say that that's probably pretty accurate. And there's an organization here in, uh, uh, well, a section of them here in Austin too, right? Yeah, and that's who I ran into, downtown Austin. And they did not uh, even, t- they didn't talk to me at all. They They were yelling about how they hate white people, and I just stared at them. And then... Like I was telling Zach. Did they cover their face or something? No. No? Not at all, no. Man, dude, I've never heard of this group before in my life. Well, uh, it sounds like they're, you know, akin to Louis Farrakhan. You familiar with him? Yeah, that's Black Panthers, though. That's Nation. Oh, that's uh, Nation. I'm sorry, yeah. Nation of Islam, yeah. Uh, we've had those guys on the show a few years I, I ago. Think these, that's, I, I think that's different. I do, I do too. I do, too. The uh, Louis Farrakhan hates Jews, hates white people. That's sort of the same mentality. It's a different group, yes. Louis Farrakhan, I think, is akin to David Duke in a certain way. <laughs> that's that's sort uh-huh. of, uh, in a way, I get that vibe. But I, I, whenever I, like, okay, for example, David Duke, he was like the Grand Wizard or whatever st- stupid title the Ku Klux Klan uses. And I've, I was looking at uh, his Twitter, and he was, like, responding to Elon, Elon Omar's tweets uh, that were, some, like, could be construed as anti-Semitic, and David Duke was liking them. So he was, like, supporting, you know, an African woman's anti-Semitic views, which is why I think that people like Louis Farrakhan and David Duke are in the same boat because, yeah, they might have, like, you know, their, like, racial superiority views or who's the true chosen people or whatever, but they're all sort of intertwined in, like, this anti-Semitic hatred. The enemy of my enemy is my, my friend. friend. Yeah, that kind of thing. That's that's kind of the thing I get from them. They the black Hebrew Israelites seem to be totally like insane from mm-hmm. what I understand. Oh yeah, Nation of Islam believes that there was this giant-headed scientist named Yakub who lived um like 7,000 years ago and created the white race through the selective breeding, grafting and had them all on this island of Patmos. He had a giant head? He had a giant head because he's so smart. <laughs> It was huge. Oh, that makes sense. Yeah, he that's had how this it works. Giant the bigger your head, the smarter you are. Actually, uh-huh. that's that's scientific fact. They called him like the big head scientist or something. <laughs> Real creative name. What do you think, Michael? I have a big head. <laughs> <laughs> that's all I'm sitting here thinking. Man, I got a big head. It must mean something good for me then. <laughs> I want to get I want to get the uh, one of the black Israelites on my podcast, Fast and Furious, and I want to I want to talk to him and be like, Hey, what's going on, man? How you doing? Why do you hate me? And I want to see if, if I can get an honest answer out of them. Oh, you know, when we had the Nation of Islam on here, they were very, very articulate. I mean, they're not. No, those guys like, are not dumb. No, not at all. Uh-uh. The the Hebrew Israelites, I, I don't know if they're in the same intellectual category as the Nation of Islam. Depends on the person. Wasn't Malcolm X Nation of Islam? Um, yes. He was smart, too. I've watched a lot of stuff on and then, Malcolm X. And early on, he was Nation of Islam, and then he formed his own, um, a, a different sect, different, uh, it, it changed to something else. I can't think of it right now. Yeah. Um, well, they, didn't they end up killing him? That's what they say? Right. He was assassinated, yes. And it's, it's unclear, you know, I guess who did it and all the people that were involved in that, you know, but yeah, he was definitely assassinated. Well... We'll see what happens after I am. <laughs> <laughs> I'm letting you guys go for it. I'm just letting you go for it. Uh, uh, what do you think about, uh, let's go back to the, the boyfriend Lupo. I want to talk about that some more. Uh, you, any more thoughts about that? You know, what do you think about, you know, you dating someone and you're in, let's say you're, you're, you're a lot younger. You know, your younger days and you're crazy. You're out there. Okay. You're in high school, you know, just out of high school, getting ready to go to college or whatever. And you know how some people, you, you know, a girl says you did something to them, maybe you did, maybe you didn't, and it got you in a little some trouble. You know, you could be, you know, charged and possibly convicted of domestic violence, and never ever own a gun ever. I mean, I'm I'm against that. I don't think that if you have a domestic charge on your record that you should not be allowed to buy a gun. There's too many. There's too many. Uh, Outliers. All right. Yeah, and it's I, and I don't. When people mention universal background checks, 
it's important that you understand when the word universal background checks is used, they're talking about, you know, this this so-called loophole here. They're talking about if you're convicted of a felony and, you know, you did something when you're 18 years old, you were convicted. And now let's say you're 50 years old and you want to you've been living an outstanding life ever since then. You went to jail. You paid your debt to society. When you pass universal background checks, they're saying, hey, let's get rid of private sales from one individual to another. Let's get rid of um, giving someone a gift as a firearm. Let's get rid of that. We're saying that all transactions have to have a background check. And if they have to have a federal background check, that means that you cannot be a convicted felon. You cannot be uh, convicted of domestic violence in order to purchase, you know, in order to be in possession of that firearm. So when they say universal background checks, it's important to remember those things right there. That's what they're talking about. And universal background checks, what it ultimately ends up being is the National Gun Registry as well. Because yeah, that's what everything is tracked. So that's kind of what was coming to mind for me, too. That that really kind of reminds me of the Patriot Act in a certain way. And people get conf- yeah, people get confused of like registration, you know, what are reg- what's registered and what's not registered. Mm-hmm. People think that when you walk into a gun store like in Texas, you know, uh, my gun is being registered because I'm filling out that paperwork in the gun store. And that's not true at all. Uh, you're filling out, filling out a firearms transaction record is what you're doing. And that information is going to stay in the gun store. They have to keep that record. Only only way that law enforcement can find that, you know, find out what you actually purchase, you know, the make, model, serial number of that gun. One way is if you buy two handguns or more in a, in a five-day period in Texas because we border Mexico, or you buy two long guns or more in a five-day period in Texas because we border Mexico, then that gun store has to fill out a form and send that in to the FBI. And um, that same form has to go to the chief law enforcement officer in the county where you live in. Or that gun is being found stolen or used in the crime, then the form will be sent over to law enforcement, you know, about that firearm. Those are the only ways that you can figure out, you know, or law enforcement will know, you know, what guns you actually own. This is Michael Cargill, and you are listening to Come and Talk It. This is Coley on the War, and you're listening to Come and Talk It with Michael Cargill. Welcome back to Come and Talk It. And now, here's Michael Cargill. All right, so we're back. We're talking about the boyfriend loophole. Talking about the uh, New Jersey shooting. Also, man, Florida got their first casualty of the red flag law down there in Florida. My home state there. Um, But we're talking about this boyfriend loophole because Chief Art Acevedo had a lot to say about the boyfriend loophole. And I do want you guys to listen to this video because he got into it. He was really upset. And so here's what uh, Chief Arasavedo had to say about this so-called boyfriend loophole. I need to get in a room. I don't want to hear about how much they support law enforcement. I don't want to hear how much, how, how much they care about uh, lives and the sanctity of lives. Yet, we all know in law enforcement that one of the biggest reasons that the Senate and Mitch McConnell and John Cornyn and Ted Cruz and others are not getting into a room and having a conference committee with the House and getting the Violence Against Women's Act is because the NRA doesn't like the fact that we want to take firearms out of the hands of boyfriends that abuse their girlfriends. And who killed our sergeant? A boyfriend abusing his girlfriend. And the fact that his mom, his father, his wife, his sisters, his friends, and ultimately the community that he laid his down his life for will be putting him to rest before Christmas because of the cowardice of the political people that we have in office. You're not a Republican. You're not a Democrat. You're not a conservative. You're not a liberal. You're not a progressive. You are an American, and American blood is being shed every day in this community, throughout this nation. And do something about it or retire. All right, so he's talking about the boyfriend loophole. Go ahead. Yeah, so you know what Art Asveda is really saying is. What is um, he really saying? Yeah, so he's saying that 
Yeah, if you just meet a girl and go on a first date with her and then beat her up, then that's fine. But if it's your girlfriend, then your gun rights are stripped. Oh, so just date, so just to go on first dates and that's it? Just dump her? Yeah, if you just go on first dates and it's not your girlfriend, then basically what he's saying is he's okay with that. So then you get a pass. Uh Uh-huh, yeah. Oh, okay. What do you think? Because you date a lot. <laughs> yeah, Gary. I'm a I'm a married man happily. Oh my god, don't even joke about that. Don't say will abuse me get in domestically. Oh, so I'm telling you, dude. There's no way. Uh, dude, she'll never have gun rights, dude. She beats me every day. After I wake the next up, break, we're going to talk about the girlfriend. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm just kidding. I love you, sweetheart. So, mm-hmm. here's the thing, man. I don't know how much you guys know about the police and their relationship with domestic violence, but I would, I, I've read a lot about how the police have higher rates of domestic violence than the average folks do. So maybe Art Acevedo should be looking into his own people and leaving me alone and you alone and, and all of us other people alone because, I mean, it, it's to me, it's kind of like the pot calling a kettle black, right? Mm-hmm. The police have high, high levels of domestic abuse. Yes, it is. Military police, city much police, higher. Yeah, than the general population. I, what, so you, so you're saying that there's a group of people who are prone to domestic violence and they carry guns every day, but then this, you know, Joe or Bill or you know, even maybe like a, a female that hit her boyfriend or had some weird situation with her boyfriend. All of a sudden, those people can't carry guns when the cops carry guns every day. Give me a break. That's so hypocritical to me. Laws for thee, but not for me. That's right. I mean, <laughs> Laws for thee, but not for me. Hey, look, yep. let me tell you this. If uh, <laughs> never mind. Preach, brother. No, go, go. No, Stop it's it's just it. it's to me it's just so hypocritical. It's like one of those things where I want to be like, hey, uh, Mister uh, Acevedo, how about you have your police not carry guns and and until you like clean up the entire department and there's no domestic abuse whatsoever. Right. At all. I mean, yeah. that's such, that's like, that's what they're basically saying to the general public. It's so stupid. It's but, so stupid. But you can be a police officer and get convicted of domestic violence and still carry guns. That, I, that's what I'm saying. It's ridiculous. It's so hypocritical. It's so two faced. And what's really funny to me is when I was listening to him talk and get all, you know, he's all emotional. Emo. Oh, yeah. I can't believe yeah. this. And you're not a Republican. You're not a Democrat. Well, okay, that's nonsense, first of all. Second of all, to me, it seems like he's put on a show because he wants to, it's moral posturing. Mm hmm. I don't think the guy actually cares. Like you said, what do you think? Well, uh, I've never met the the police chief. Oh yeah, I don't know him. Oh, we've met him. Yeah, I've, that's that's why I'm. <laughs> yeah, we've met him. All right, so uh, here's what someone had had to say here: uh, Houston Police Chief Art Acevedo accused U.S. Senators Ted Cruz and John Corning on Monday of being too afraid of the National Rifle Association to pass a version of the Violence Against Women Act that would close the so-called boyfriend loophole. Well, the above statement is false, according to this person. They said, hey, the first reason is that there are already state laws that prevent domestic abuse, be it from uh, a form in a married couple or just dating couple or even a couple living together while not being married. If there is a restraining order against a person, then that person cannot legally buy a weapon. But this suspect did not buy a I'm going to I'm going to change this word weapon because I hate saying that. To firearm. This person did not buy a firearm legally, so he was already breaking the law. So since the suspect was already breaking the law, then how would breaking one more, two or more, or many more laws stop him? Instead, strengthening state laws, the local state laws, is where it should be. If we start depending on the federal laws to protect us, then just why should we have a state or local government instead of elected local government officials? What we would need is appointed local officials to carry out the laws of the federal government without any local input. But it would not stop there. Why should there be any local law making capacity that local control over education? So all we would need is to follow what the rules bureaucrats in Washington, D.C. make. And if we do not like the rules, then the next election, we would vote out that politician, D.C., but the bureaucrats still be there. They'll still be there. I like what that person had to say in the beginning. I like all that in the beginning. Definitely. Unlike the federal, and another person says, unlike the federal law, which prevents a person with even a misdemeanor domestic violence conviction from ever owning a gun, Texas restores people's rights to own a gun five years after they complete the terms of their sentence. 
Why is Texas allowed to have laxer laws than the nation? Because that's the way we vote. Yeah. <laughs> but still, what? you are not immune from prosecution if you have a gun because if federal officials find that, then you're still breaking a federal law. Yeah, you're still not, exempt from, the, you're not yeah. exempt from the federal law. Federal so, law. but I think state law and local law should trump federal yes. law always. And I, that's why when there's things like these sanctuary, sanctuary cities, you know, I might not agree with that, but at the local level, I mean. But I mean, okay, if. On principle, they should be allowed to do it. Yeah, let's follow that logic. So basically, whatever Adler and those cronies <laughs> put for the city, whatever they, you know, change in the law, should that trump everything? I, I mean, on principle, it should, but I mean, I don't think it's always going to have the best result, but I think mm -hmm. it's better than having the federal government running things. True. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Um Hey, I got a question for you, actually. You said that um, if someone has a restraining order filed against them, mm -hmm. they can't buy a gun? Yes. It, it, if, it's, if it's in the order, yes, that's correct. So if what if somebody was upset with another person and just said, hey, I'm going to file a restraining order against them? Uh, if an intimate partner, it's going to be, it has to be a, like an intimate partner or you know, like a domestic situation or something like that. I know. I mean, that's what I'm saying. Like, what if, uh, an, you know a couple gets divorced and the ex-wife or the ex-husband either way one of them says i'm upset with them i'm gonna file a restraining order so they can't get a gun you know you know what i'm saying All right, we'll, is that possible we come back from the break i'll read uh, we'll read what it says on the actual 4473 of the form that you fill out when you walk into the gun store and uh, we'll read that and then we'll talk about um man it's christmas what are you gonna do for christmas we doing for christmas i'm going to see my family oh going yeah. to dallas nice i'm a family man michael i know I know. That's good. Now he's a family man. This is Michael Cargill, and you are listening to Come and Talk It. Hello, this is Gerald Darty, and I'm the Precinct 3 County Commissioner here in Travis County, and you're listening to Come and Talk It. Talk 13-7, the right choice. Welcome back to Come and Talk It. And now, here's Michael Cargill. All right, so now we get into restraining orders there. But Gary wants to know, you know, if he gets a restraining order on himself, you know, will he be able to buy a gun? Not on me. <laughs> on a theoretical family, uh, you know, couple that has been divorced. You're so, asking for a friend. Right? So, yeah, I'm asking for a friend. So, what I'm, my question here is if there's a, a man and his wife, they're married, this guy's kind of, you know, a gun nut, a gun enthusiast, whatever you want to call it. Mm -hmm. He gets divorced from his wife. His wife knows that he loves guns, and that's his passion. Maybe that's even the reason why they got divorced in the first place. Who knows? But she wants to stick it to him, and she says, I'm filing a restraining order against this guy because I know that he can't purchase a gun if there's a restraining order filed against him. All right. So basically what it says is it's 18 U.S.C. 922. Firearms may not be sold to or received by persons subject to a court order that A, was issued after a hearing which the person received actual notice of and had an opportunity to participate in, okay, that's important, and B, restrain such person from harassing, stalking, or threatening an intimate partner or child of such intimate partner or person or engaging in other conduct that would place an intimate partner in reasonable fear of bodily injury uh, to the partner or child. And it includes a finding that such persons represents a credible threat to the physical safety of such intimate partner or child, uh, but its terms explicitly prohibits the use, attempted use, or threatened uh, use of physical force against such intimate partner or child that would reasonably be expected to cause bodily injury. So, and basically, an intimate partner of a person is the spouse or former spouse of the person, the parent of a child of the person, or an individual who cohabitates or has cohabitated with the person. So, the situation that I just played out is possible, then. Mm -hmm. You just what do you gave think? that idea to a bunch of vindictive women. I know, dude. I'm listening <laughs> right now. Sorry, guys. We don't have vindictive women that listen to our show. No, not our show. <laughs> I mean, other show. 
Uh, what do you think about that? If that that's a possibility. Um, that that's that's the law. Maybe the number of people that that's happened to is negligible, and the amount of people that it's protected is you know is worth it. Mm. You understand? Is it? <laughs> I don't yeah, know. I'm. Think so? I mean, I, you guys are the gun experts here. I'm just uh, you know an intellectual. Don't have the numbers on these. <laughs> you don't. Have, you don't have those numbers on hand. Don't have them right in front of me right Disappointed. now. Disappointed. And see, when I when I look at that, then that you know, I I have doubts about you know, if is there really a boyfriend loophole? I isn't that what that lady was that that lady's comment on the Texas Tribune was right. essentially saying? Yeah. So right? is there really a boyfriend? No, there really is not. If you get a restraining order, you know, if you you, know, I think people people want someone else to do. Do They're, work for them yep. instead of them doing it themselves. They want, you know, you, you're we're so busy, caught up in trying to control other people and other people's actions. When you know what, there's something that I can do to fix something. Then you know what, I'm going to do something to fix it, rather than waiting waiting for someone else to fix it. Unfortunately, I agree with you. I think that's the the premise of a lot of laws. Actually, yeah, I, I'm afraid to do it. I just want someone else to do it. I want someone else to take the responsibility. Sort of about how people want the police to protect them, but they don't want to protect themselves sometimes, yeah. you know? Yeah. That's, it's, it's crazy. Personal responsibility is a thing of the past now. Yeah. I want you to stop doing what you're doing. I want you to not say those things. How about, you know what? I don't like what you're saying. I'm going to leave. <laughs> that think, way I don't have to hear it. Do you think there's a correlation between the loss of personal responsibility and the rise in like automation and machines and technology and stuff like that because things are done for us and we get comfortable no, I, I with think it. that we're raising a society of weak people. We're raising a society of uh, not, uh, we, we're not disciplining our kids. And so, you know, they're expecting, you know, that everyone should win when everyone's not going to win. Not everyone's going to come in first place. You're talking about participation trophies? Yeah. Yeah, yeah those are ridiculous. You know, it, it all plays into the same thing. There's winners and there are losers. That is correct. You know, you're gonna, there are going to be some good days. There's going to be some bad days. You know, yeah, and if you don't, if you don't let kids experience failure, they're not going to ever become anything great. They're going to be soft. Right. Look at Michael Jordan. He's a perfect example of. He's probably at this point. It's almost cliche that people use him as this example all the time. But he like didn't he try out for his high school basketball team and not even make it? Yeah, he got cut. Yeah. I mean, the the guy was not, he wasn't even that great. And then he just, he just hustled, hustled, hustled. He's also got what I would consider like a psychopathic competitive attitude. Have you ever seen behind the scenes footage of Michael Jordan? Mm -mm. Oh my God, dude. That guy was just, all, comp everything was a competition to him. Maybe, maybe, uh, you know, to the point that it was not good. I don't know. He was the best. He was the best. We're talking about him right now. Yeah. Michael Jordan. I wonder what Michael Jordan thinks about guns. What do you think? <laughs> I don't know. I bet you he's uh, he, he's his home is protected by them. I'm willing to bet. Without Just like all the anti-gun politicians. Yeah. Yeah. Um, right. Protected by uh, short barrel, fully automatic rifles. The very thing that they despise. Uh huh. That's telling, isn't it? <laughs> it's very interesting. All right. So. Hey, Mr. Uh, Dr. Vandewally, how you doing today, sir? Glad you're checking in on us. All right, um, so we're talking about the uh, boyfriend loophole there. Uh, we're also talking about New Jersey. And, man, if you guys, I don't know if you guys had a chance to check out some of these videos of the, the shooting in New Jersey. Uh, if you haven't, you know, definitely take a look at this. Uh, here's, um, you know, man, it was just like something out of a movie. It was just completely crazy what happened in New Jersey there. That sounds like 4th of July. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And for some people, they thought it was like business as usual. Yeah, what was up with the guy just sitting there? Yeah. What were they originally being investigated for? Um, it was a stolen U-Haul connected to a murder. Yeah. Who did they kill? Who were they accused of killing? Mm. Victim. Was it also uh, possibly a hate crime? Don't know. I thought it was just a, it, it just seemed like a this little Ooh. random robbery. I thought, but I guess they must know some information they're not releasing to the public. 
Yeah, there was already a murder. And then they went on that, you know, store shooting. From the rampage. Mm -hmm. Well, I mean, I would be inclined to believe that it's a hate crime if it was, uh, these people were members of the, the, the black Hebrew Israel, Israelites. There's a lot of hate. <laughs> and they hearts. shot up a, a, you know, a kosher market. That's a Jewish market. Those are easy dots to connect. Mm -hmm. Didn't you say the mayor of uh, New Jersey tweeted out? Yeah, that it yes, was a hate crime. That it was a hate anti crime. Anti-Semitic. Initially, they came out and they said that it wasn't. And then, like, hours later, they came back and said, okay, it was a hate crime. I mean, the, the governor of New Jersey. I don't know about the governor, though. Someone, someone did, yeah. Someone definitely did tweet it out. Who, who was it that said that? Yeah, I'm not sure. I'm not looking it's at it. It's the mayor, right? Yeah. It'll take us a minute to find out. All right, so we're talking we're talking about the boyfriend loophole. And for those people that did not know, um, have you ever been convicted of, of any court of a misdemeanor crime of domestic violence? Uh, you cannot buy a gun, okay? So that takes away a lot of stuff. And then when you get into the details of restraining orders, you know, this gets rid of that what they're calling a boyfriend loophole a restraining order yeah and it says are you subject to a court order restraining order or restraining you from harassing stalking or threatening your child or an intimate partner that's a boyfriend or or girlfriend or child of such intimate partner so that takes away that boyfriend loophole so all this hoopla you know song and dance about you know not being able to you know not uh, not doing something about boyfriend loopholes um, is actually, it's a false flag, people. So in the end, it's all a false flag. So all this, you know, this song and dance that the, the chief did, it actually means nothing because we actually already have laws on the books. What, what about, um, I think it's also pertinent to the, to the conversation that, you know, if, if you have to file a restraining order because, like, let's say a woman's scared of a man and wants to file a restraining order because they don't want them to get attacked. Well, like you said earlier, sometimes there's these domestic situations there's these domestic situations where it's that once the police show up, both cup, both uh, parties in the couple are like, I don't want the other person to go to jail or anything. I'm not scared of them. We just had, you know, a situation unfold. Well, that's why you'd have to, you'd have to file a restraining order for them not to have a gun because not every time the, the, in a domestic situation is the person scared of the other person. Sometimes it's just a weird, you know, situation that plays out. My, my thoughts on this is stop waiting for someone to come and save you. Stop waiting for someone to do um, go down to the police department and get this restraining order. You know, it's time for you to take that responsibility in your own hands. No one's going to save you except for you. No one cares about you except you. As always, more guns equals less crime. You go out there and you buy yourself a gun. You've been listening to Come and Talk It with Michael Cargill. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.